Uh, covered by man, let's see. I'm not seeing him cover it. There's there's lots yeah. of lots of versions of it by this guy. I've never heard of him before. What's it? Chris Tomlin? Something, something like that. Yeah, something like that. I don't know he's, who he's, this guy. I hear he's kind of decent. Yeah, yeah wow. but you know he he hacks hymns is what he does. <laughs> you know, he hacks hymns and makes them. <laughs> I might leave that in there too. <laughs> he's a he's a hymn hacker. He's a hymn. <laughs> he is a hymn hacker. <laughs> he's gotten by with it, you know. Yeah. Because people don't know their hymns, like yeah. they don't know their Bible. <laughs> they knew he, their he, hymns. They he's, a, he's, a, he's a rascal. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the word your dad would use. <laughs> yeah. table it is the week in june before a very special day father's day and i'm delighted today to have a conversation with someone i I know and love about someone i know and love and i've i've pondered this conversation for the last couple of years i'm delighted to have on the podcast at the table today daniel johnson daniel welcome to redemption's table Man, I'm ready to chow down. I am ready to eat. Thank you, brother. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's been an honor. You know, uh, there was a couple of reasons I wanted you to come to the table, and I'll just go ahead and say right now, you will be back, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Cool. I will be back. You will be back. You can say that. Anyway, I wanted to talk about your father, one of my closest friends who went home to be with the Lord two years ago, end of April. And I typically I will write something when I'm impacted by someone who, from my viewpoint and many viewpoints, went home too soon. Don't understand. And I thought, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's like, I think maybe it's time. And I hollered at you. I said, you know, I would like I have this idea. I want, to, I want to talk about your dad. I, I want to honor him because your dad, there was no one. It's true. You could say this of any person, but truly there was no one on the planet like Doug Johnson. And there's no one in heaven right now like Doug Johnson, uh, yeah. your father. And I love him dearly. And uh, so I want to talk about him. Yeah. I can't wait. Right, first time I met your dad. It was, I I think we clarified this. I think it was in 1989, uh, first part of the year. He was, he was youth minister at a church in Warner Robins, Georgia, Central Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And I was youth minister at First Baptist Church. And both these churches were on Watson Boulevard, about a mile apart. <laughs> Crazy. We had youth ministry lunches, and I remember the new guy on the block invited us to come to his place for youth ministry lunch, and it was your dad. And I remember meeting him for the first time, and just this uh, warm, smiling, jovial, 
individual and did not know it at the time, but uh, I was, you know, spending some early moments right there with a, an individual who would become one of my absolute favorite friends. Last time I talked to him, I don't forget when it was, he told me that he had had a mild stroke. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even process that, Daniel, because your dad is always so full of life and everything. And he sounded a little tired, but he didn't sound any different than he normally yeah. would. You know, let's talk, talk a little bit about your dad. Uh, sure. Well, you said he was one of your favorite friends. And when it comes to, to men in my life, he was my favorite friend. And dad just was, to me, the epitome of a couple of things. The first one was that he had a joy of the Lord that um, I've I've heard about and I've read in Scripture that one of the fruit of the Spirit is joy, and I think that it had to have looked like Dad mm-hmm. that whatever that whatever the Lord had in mind for people to be so enraptured with Him to be so keenly aware of His presence and to not feel like you can have enough of it, I think that was my dad. And so he just thoroughly loved to be happy. Um, but he he experienced a lot of loss in his life. Mm-hmm. He experienced um, just some, some sorrow in his childhood. He came to know Jesus when he was uh, probably around 12, but it wasn't until probably his early 20s where it really took root in his heart. And he had had some situations where he had just had to deal with some consequences in his life. And he heard about the forgiveness of Jesus. And he said, I want that. And then he just lived a life of gratitude. He just left um, the things that, that caused hurt in his life. And he just different sin, different things that he knew kept him away from enjoying the Lord. And I think that's another thing. Just watching dad was that he was constantly growing. He would just grow in Jesus. And my dad just didn't stay the same. Where things maybe I'd watch him struggle with as a a little boy, I would just watch him mature. And and until the the day he um, kind of reached that end, he was always looking for ways to be more and more like Jesus. Um, He he was a man of prayer, Mm -hmm. but he told me, on one of our last conversations, he said, I wish I had played more and I wish I had prayed more. That was one of the last things that we talked about. And so he, he was a man who, who loved my mama. Uh, he, he loved his bride. Um, he loved me and my sister. He loved my bride. He loved uh, my daughter. He got to know my daughter, Joanna. Um, he passed away when she was a year and a half. And so just knowing um, that having a dad who was seeking to show the love of Jesus, it just meant for me to know that regardless of what I did, I wouldn't lose that love. And he uh, pastored for uh, over 30 years at different congregations. I think his longest was there in Pipe Creek over 20 Mm -hmm. years, you know, so uh, obviously, that was his longest, but uh, he he loved the role of discipler. He loved the role of, of shepherd. But ultimately, what he wanted to do was read the scriptures mm-hmm. and talk about it with whoever would listen. Mm-hmm. So it didn't matter the crowd. didn't matter if it was one-on-one. That was his drive. Mm-hmm. And so if you were working at a at Walmart, and you had a minute, then he he was going to take that minute to just try to to talk about Jesus because yeah. that's that's what he wanted to do. And I think that you know we're talking about favorite friends. From my dad, his favorite friend was Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, I just think back to Jesus's words there in that upper room, you know, in John fourteen and John fifteen. If you love me, you'll do what I say. You're my friend if you do what I say. And I think from my dad, he thought, I want to be Jesus's friend. So I want to do what he says. And and that was just who he was. I, I would, um, if I could ride on his tombstone, something I think he, I, I think I would put something that basically to sum up that 
he was a friend of Jesus or, or Jesus was his friend. However, however that would work. I, yeah. I think that's just what I, I think of my dad. Yeah. And when you say that you, your family humbled me in asking me to speak at your dad's service. Mm-hmm. And I, I told you, I don't know that I've told your other, your mom or, or your sister, maybe I have, but it was one of only two times ahead of time that the Lord revealed you're going, this is, you'll be asked to do this and you need to, you know, one was my own father. Actually, since I am the son, I didn't ask myself, to do it. I just, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I knew before you called that day and, and on behalf of your family and asked me, I knew that, that I had been given a, a divine assignment and yeah. That doesn't, that's uncommon. But I remember the scripture that I was drawn to in the book of John. Hmm. Uh, and I read it, and you know, it's now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. This is at the close of the Gospel of John, yeah. where he says this they're not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Yeah. And that word believe in the Gospel of John is used 84 times. And interesting thing in the Greek, John never uses the word believe as a noun. He would he never uses a belief like a belief system. It's always yeah. an action verb. Sure. And I made the point strongly that this was your father. He never spoke the word so that people would have head knowledge of who Jesus was. Yeah. That he spoke it with the expectation. They're not only, you know, you you would believe to the point of taking action because that's how it is in, in the book of John, uh, that this this is, you don't just hear God's word, you do it, act on yeah. it. And that yeah. made such a strong impact on me about your dad because, and, and I think I said this, there are two individuals in my entire lifetime that I can point to. And I know a lot of guys uh, and, and ladies who teach the word of God. There are two that I know that I'm like, without even a slightest doubt in my mind, this person loves the word of God, has a passion for the word of God. When it comes to God and his word, they're a flame. One is Dr. Sigurd Bryan, my professor at Sanford University. And the other one is your father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that was evident from the get-go. I remember your dad came out and preached a revival for me when I was in Fort Davis. And on Sunday morning, he's preaching. And one of my one of my parishioners said this later, <laughs> said, well, came along 12 o'clock. He took off his coat and he said, I knew we were in for a long session. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he wrapped up about 1230. But, you know, he was so passionate about yeah. God's word that, and he wanted you to be passionate about it sure. too, because we should be. Well, I, I think the Lord was so instrumental in my life of, of how he shaped my desire to know Jesus because I had a father uh, when I was a little boy who loved God's word so much, he would act it out in mm-hmm. the living room. You know, I say that in all seriousness, how did I hear about Samson? It wasn't just him telling the story. He had to act it out. He was so passionate because he knew it was real that he didn't want me to just hear it as a young fellow and go, well, that's some story. He wanted me to know it. And so when I think back to those days, it was stirring up in my heart to go, I want to know more of that because my own dad is grabbing a slingshot and hurling it around in the living room. (laughs) And accidentally releasing it and it, you know, flying across the living room. Uh, this is a dad who's pretending to hide from lions and jump over couches because he's pretending to be Daniel in the lion's den. And so he was so interested in making sure that I knew this isn't just a story. This is this is real. He would yeah. say, I'm going to tell you a story, but it ain't just a story. This really happened. And so my my whole childhood 
was watching my dad be so passionate about the word because to him, it was the greatest thrill to talk about. There was nothing more fun for him than, than to talk about the word. You know, you used to go to old school, you would go to vacation Bible school. And back in the day, <laughs> yeah. they have they would have the flannel graph board yeah. and, you know, uh, this felt board. And you put the characters because they had some kind of backing on it and you put them on the board and tell the story. You didn't have yeah. a flannel graph board. You no. had a dug a graph board. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was him, man. Uh, I, I could see him do that, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And a minute, minute ago, I said he's one of my best friends. You know, I would say he's my best friend. I've got a, a few other guys on here that might actually listen. And so I don't want their feelings to be hurt. <laughs> Man, you know, Doug was really my best friend. Uh, uh, he mystified me because he and I were different in preaching style. Sure. Uh, and yet, you know, he he would invite me to do different things. We, we invited each other to disciple nows. I invited him to do a revival. He invited me to do a revival and then a renewal event. And then he invited me to come and be youth minister there for two months at Pipe Creek, which was wonderful. It was a uh, wonderful time in my year when uh, my schedule was a little slow, but you know, he's just like, I, you know, I was always amazed and curious that he would invite me. Because I, I felt like he's the better of the two of us as far as uh, getting into the meat of God's word. Well, I don't say this to flatter you, but you were my dad's best friend because of your willingness to to listen and uh, to let dad open up and and for... Um, for him to have someone that he knew he could trust with the deep things of his soul, that, that was you. Because dad could be so private on mm -hmm. just what he would reveal. And so there would be times where he, I just remember you guys would let me tag along mm -hmm. and I would just listen to the two of you. And I would notice something about my dad that uh, that was unique in y'all's friendship. And that was that he would hang on what you said. He would hang on your words. And when when he would speak, you would listen. And when you would speak, he would listen. Yeah. And I, I never watched y'all interrupt or try to outdo one another with knowledge. But y'all grew in Jesus together. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is ultimately what a real friendship should be, which is when you say, I want to walk in this, in this growth with the Lord. And you're somebody who's doing that too. And I want to go on the ride with you. Yeah. And, and I want to, I want to love him with, with a brother in arms. And so that was you guys. And, and that's why um, he could have that trust because you all had the same desire. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it was in uh, shown in different ways, um, but don't be too hard on yourself, man, because he he called you for a reason because yeah. he trusted your study. He trusted your love for Jesus outside of just knowing it up here. He knew that you knew it here. Yeah. And that was something that he would ache for in friendships. He he would talk to me about being in a friend friend, a friend famine. Mm -hmm. He'd say, I, I feel parched for, for friends that I could talk uh, about what I love with and be open about my struggles. Mm -hmm. um, and so that that's why you got a call mm -hmm. uh, when he passed away two years ago, because there was no other man that I knew of that he trusted and could count on to not just be a, a friend, but a brother. Yeah, it's true. And I, you know, feel the same way toward him and about him. I mean, it was like instantaneously when we reconnected, pick right back up where the conversation was uh, or the depth of it. Um, I remember one time he called, he was doing a wedding for a family member. Mm -hmm. He called me and he, I don't know how many weddings he had done to that point, but he called me yeah. and asked me one question. If you were to counsel a young couple about to get married and you were to tell them one thing, what would you tell them? Mm -hmm. 
And it was one very few times I can say this where I'm like the what came out was like that's I can't improve on that. It was like the Holy Spirit was in the answer. God was in the answer. And I was like, wow. I mean, you know, most of the time it's like, well, I need to pray about that and think about it. But he and what came out of my mouth was I I would tell them that love is a choice. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, every wedding I did after that, that was the number one thing, even made it a part of the ceremony. But it was your dad had the ability to ask a question yeah. in a way that drew something out that perhaps you didn't even know was there. Yeah. And we we jokingly in the youth ministers, to so a handful of us friends together in Warner Robins, we called him the probe. <laughs> You know, because he could just draw out of a person. Yeah. Sometimes it's not what we say, it's the questions we ask. You know, he would ask questions never to shame, mm-hmm. never to put someone on the spot. He always, in in the root of his questions, it came from a place of, of a genuine care for whoever he was talking to and and a desire to see them grow mm-hmm. and i think that's something that i've tried to emulate which is if i'm if i'm sitting down with someone even if i don't know them super well like am i really looking in their eyes am i really listening to them if i ask a question am i going to really and or just listen or am i already thinking of the next thing i'm going to say Mm-hmm. And th- dad really taught me that to not, once you've asked your question, already be going, all right, like, how am I going to, you know, correct their answer, but to just go with the flow. One of the things I saw in your dad, and I see it in your mom too. Mm-hmm. There, there are individuals who are walking so close to the father mm-hmm. that their lives are moving to a totally different rhythm yeah. than the rhythm of others. Doesn't and, and they don't move to that rhythm saying, I am at a different rhythm than you. Woo-hoo. You know, you're not in my rhythm. You know, it's just a natural thing. And um, others sometimes can't understand that. Don't get it. I'm not trying to make your father a saint. Although no. I would I would advocate for that. St. Doug no, sounds no. pretty good. Let's have St. Doug's Day. St. <laughs> Douglas's Day. St. Rascal Day, because he called yeah. himself a rascal. Sure. Uh, but even this podcast, he'd go, What are you guys doing? What, yeah, there what, you are, go. Yeah, what yeah. are you doing? Yeah, he, yeah. He'd be he'd be he'd be sticking, he'd be a photo bombing this thing right now, like, oh, oh yeah. come on, get off of it. You're not talking about me. You know, yeah. I mean, could you just downplay all of that? Uh but, you know, I think of the, the line from a Rich Mullins song, uh, the world can't stand what it cannot own, and it can't own you. Talking about Jesus, can't own you because you did not have a home. Your mm-hmm. focus is elsewhere. And his focus was elsewhere. Your mom's focus is elsewhere. And, and those yeah. type of individuals, uh, when we were, you know, just misunderstood. It's like, yeah. I don't get you. And we have this habit in, in life. We live in a cancel cult- culture now. If I don't get you, well, bye, you know, yeah. uh, which is really sad. Again, it's like, you don't know what you don't know. You can't see what you can't see. And if you could see with the eyes of faith, if you could hear with the ears of faith, if you could stop and wonder, your dad was a man full of wonder. Yeah. Well, I just think about Colossians 3, about setting our mind on the things above. And that's just something that, um, I got to see mm-hmm. and accumulating a lot, a lot of uh, glory here, accolade. Um, it just wasn't really on his radar, and it wasn't mm-hmm. a false humility. He just didn't care mm-hmm. um, because that took away from what he wanted to do. I'll tell you, when I first got involved in student ministry. This is this is what my dad said. Doesn't that make it right? That he said, "Don't ever get out. Don't ever get out of working with students because you'll take a demotion." That's what he said. That's how and I the, felt about it. Yeah. And and the reason he said that, he elaborated. He said that with with talking to young people, 
there's the flexibility of time, like you're pointing out. Mm-hmm. And and there's the um the maybe the pride hadn't settled in just as much yet. You're mm-hmm. you're, you're still looking for answers. Mm-hmm. You're still in a place of vulnerability to say, hey, I don't have it all figured out. I want to though. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want I want to grow. Um and so he loved the pace. Mm-hmm. He loved the slow pace. Um, but the quick, busy, active, um, I think those were the things that really wore him down. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that he looked back on um, with regret of the things that trying to keep up with the people pleasing with, mm-hmm. uh, with, with the grind of, of a schedule. Um, I, I'll always wonder what it would have looked like for him had he uh, lived longer with mm-hmm. his final days would have looked like, but all, but all I've got is just knowing those things he communicated me, uh, communicated to me at the end, which was to just slow down, pray, mm-hmm. get alone with, with the father, um, overflow in conversation of what you've been learning. Let, let that be the thing that drives you and, mm-hmm. and the, and to love your family, spend time with your family. Um, yeah. Two things I saw, you know, in, in his, him asking me to pray and we would pray about, you know, his time uh, as the pastor there at Pipe Creek, he stayed yeah. where he was because yeah. he felt this is where God wants me to be. Right. He stayed. He also, he and your mom both had a heart's desire to teach young people to teach yeah. college students, right? to teach young adults. Yeah. And I didn't know it until the service, memorial service, we were sitting around eating. I sat at a table with a group of young people. yeah, And I just asked them, so how did you know, Doug? How did you know, Doug? And I realized as they were talking about the interactions, meeting at a retreat, meeting here. And I was like, at that moment, it was like, yeah, God gave him the desires of his heart. He did, yeah. Because the people I was, you know, eating with, the people who were there to remember him, they were exactly the, you know, who he wanted to minister to, and he had that, he had still good rapport, yeah, with all people, but you know, with with that, you know, just a vibrancy to be teaching that the college students, the young adults. So it was refreshing yeah. to see. You know, when he would recollect about his just time of being a pastor. You want to know the time he would always mention without fail. It was Warner Robbins. Mm-hmm. He would talk to me about the students who now, you know, they've got families, they're, they're, they're pastors, they're, they're, they're fully grown. But to him, that was the treasure. And mm-hmm. he would just, he would just think of them in those times and he would call or get online. And and that's who he wanted to know who who are you now? What what are you doing now? Yeah. And it wasn't that he didn't care about his congregation currently or or you know a couple of years back, but it was always he was always thinking about that particular age. Yeah. And it's just unique to me to to think like that's what was on his mind. Yeah. Was how someone he could have worked with in 1990 was the person he's praying for and thinking about yeah. because he might have known him as an 18-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that's just what what drove him, yeah. you know, because he substitute taught um, at the at the high school, the last years of his life. Um, he wanted to make some extra change to go on trips to Ireland and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, but deep down, he didn't really have to do it. He wanted to. He wanted to substitute and be around um, students who were in alternative classes who had made mistakes. Um, he. It was hard, but he, that's where he wanted to be with with students who who he knew um, were in situations where um, maybe for them, it's like, well, I, I'm stuck in this and I made choices I'm going to have to live with. Mm-hmm. But he really felt like he had an opportunity to communicate love mm-hmm. in a listening ear. And uh, that's, some, that's one of the things I'm the most proud about my dad is that he he didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. But he really wanted, even in his sixties, he really, even full time pastoring a church, mm-hmm. he wanted to take time in the mornings and substitute teach, just so that way he could meet more young people. Yeah, yeah. 
You mentioned the trips. Yeah. I know I know y'all went to Ireland. You went to Scotland too, didn't you? Yeah. So dad had gone to England and Scotland in the 80s when he okay. was at Baylor. Okay. He went for for a month for a history class. And he stayed at Westminster Abbey. There was just a dorm there in the 80s, like 84, 85. Wow. And he told me that when he left, he just wept. He just he just loved it so much. So in 2014, uh, we were hiking Government Canyon in San Antonio, Texas. And he said, I've had enough. Now, you you guys went on that trail once. Mm-hmm. You might not recall. I remember, yes. But it, it, it's not the most uh, glamorous trail. I mean, it's mm. not ugly, but it, 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 there's nothing to write home about. You you hike in, you get to a stop, and you turn around and hike back turn around. Yeah. And he said, I've had enough. And he went home that night and uh, he said, you want, you want to just go? And so we, uh, we bought plane tickets. I, I put in, he put in, we, we bought plane tickets to go take a, a tour of Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and England. And then uh, we went back a couple of years later to Ireland. And then um, my mom and sister and my dad went on a trip. Uh, they went to England and they went to Wales. And so there was just something um, at root in his heart mm-hmm. from that trip uh, there in the eighties that he just never, he was never able to let it go. He just loved traveling over there. Um, he, he had been to Japan. He had been to different other places, but there was something about the UK mm-hmm. that he just loved. Uh, part of it was just some family history stuff. He got really involved in ancestry.com and finding out genealogy stuff. And we found out, Oh man, we're pretty Scottish. So when it, when that happened, it was game over. He <laughs> was just so so full throttle into Scotland. And so uh, just getting to talk to him about different family stuff. And he was really big into um, finding out where members of our family have been buried here in Texas. Um, his father was born in Wills Point, Texas. So there's a family plot out there. Most men, I don't think, probably get really geeked out over finding family cemetery plots. But my dad did. He just loved it. And so the history, knowing, man, why are we in Texas? Well, we came from Alabama. You know, he he loved it. And I think it was just part of his DNA of of just loving uh, family trees, genealogies, which did that influence uh impact his love for Bible genealogies or, or was it all those names and numbers and scripture that rolled over on, into his love for family? I don't know. But but anything that had to do with, with travel mm-hmm. and, and finding out more about um, his family, he he dreamt about it. He yeah. just loved it. Yeah. And that, that was just a kind of a quirk. You know, dad was he had some quirks and that was definitely one of them. Yeah. That's awesome. It was just, I was thrilled to see all the places y'all have gone. And your dad has an Instagram page with yeah. photographs. And I knew, you know, I kind of tied this back to something early on. He and I were at a youth ministry conference at Copper Mountain, and he actually was the one who had patience enough to be there when I, when I learned to ski. Cause I was trying to knock off these big, huge slopes, killing myself. And, and, you know, one day he said, Hey, Barge, let's go over here. And it's such a gentle slope. And it, that was it. You know, something about hitting that slope and going down. He didn't know, he didn't teach me. It was just, he picked a wonderful route that had enough downhill. And it was at that moment when it, when it clicked, but he took photos of him and I on, on copper. <laughs> and then that's the missing role of him. Never. And he took those photos and those, I don't know whatever happened to those photos. Yeah, I haven't uh, seen those. But he, you know, is a huge photographer and a lot of people were following him on Instagram yeah. um, and, uh, and did not realize there was just so many layers to Doug that yeah. I didn't realize he, he loved photography and he was very creative and very, very good. He had yeah. a good eye, photographer's eye. Doug Johnson, 58. It's still up. We yeah. Never, we never took it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I gleaned a photo for sure. the uh, cover for this yeah. episode. Uh, I'll show it to you in a few minutes, but sure. I thought this is quintessential Doug. So he, he loved 
not laying out all of his cards. He loved having mystery. Yeah. Uh, big hearts player, as you know. Oh yeah, and he, and he and he loved throwing out something about his life to me when I'd go, Dad, like I've never heard this story, and he would just get that that grin and go, Oh, I never told you that. He just loved keeping things, you know, just to go, oh, well, yeah, one time, because he, he just wasn't a, a braggart. Yeah. And so you probably would never know the pictures in the house that and it's like, man, what a beautiful photo. And he go, man, isn't that beautiful? Well, he took it, yeah. but he wouldn't tell you. He yeah. wouldn't tell you that he was the photographer. Yeah. And uh, he met different baseball players. He, his favorite baseball player was Lou Brock. And so he, uh, for the Cardinals, he met him a couple times and uh, got his autographs and his dog, Sandy Pepper, chewed up the baseball with Lou Brock's autograph on it. And uh, <laughs> he he would just, you know, go, oh, I never told you I met Lou Brock a couple times. He just he just loved keeping the keeping stuff under the radar just for his own, you know, for his own pleasure. Yeah. And, and that's just another one of his quirks. What's the funniest thing you've ever seen him do? Well, he loved to watch people fall down. (laughs) 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 And uh, he just, he just thought it was so funny. And on a couple trips, he, uh, (laughs) he had a GoPro when we were in Ireland and this dude just bit it. He just fell and it was all on camera. And when he got to his feet, my sister and I's reaction was on film. And uh, he just busted out laughing. And he said, you laughed at me. You laughed. And, of course, we're just laughing so hard. And he said, well, if roles had been reversed, I would have laughed at you. And it's just such a treasure because you can hear it all on camera. And, uh, you know, he was just he wasn't a slapstick guy. Yeah. But he would just get so tickled over Cosmo Kramer from Seinfeld. Kramer would come on the screen and he would just lose it. He just thought that was the funniest man on the planet. Um, But he would take people seriously when they would tell him something that that had happened. If they were maybe telling a joke, he would just think it was serious. And then if they would let them know it was a joke, he thought that the that the original part was funnier than it being a joke. And uh, I'll never forget you accidentally slamming your finger in, in a, in a door. Mm-hmm. And uh, he thought your reaction of genuine pain, he thought it was the funniest thing he had ever seen because he thought you were acting. And that's just a memory that I, I just can't help but laugh at was watching my dad laugh because he thought you were just, joking around yeah and i couldn't get mad at him you know but i was i was hurting i was like i'm not you know i'm not acting because <laughs> those were his words he said what an actor <laughs> <laughs> yeah he used to say you know he would ask me what's what's the best westerns and he'd say why do you like john wayne he's a terrible actor <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, he uh yeah just always things like that and well, that's why y'all were friends. Because <laughs> we could laugh together. <laughs> Just as long as it didn't happen to me or him. Oh, sure. Uh, um, takeaways from your father that you want to instill as a father to to your, your children. Well, I got a three-and-a-half-year-old daughter named Joanna. I've got a an almost two-year-old son named Thomas, and I've got a three-month-old uh, that I named after my dad, named him Douglas. And so I got these three kids that uh, they'll never really know them. You know, two of them will never know them, the mm-hmm. side of heaven. And so I think the kind of things where I, where I think if dad were here, what would he, what would he want to do around um, my kids? And one of them is he would love to read to them. He would want to be still with them and watch them play. And so um, just his words on playing. So often we would be doing something serious and he would say, let's go play. Let's get out of here. Let's go play. And so 
I, I've tried to, um, when I come home tired, my gut is to not want to play. I want to rest, but I don't want to miss out on the playing with my kids. Mm-hmm. And I don't have very many memories of my father not playing with me when I asked him to. My dad loved to throw the baseball, loved it, loved to get the bat, throw it up and hit me fly balls for hours. Can't really think of times where I asked my dad, hey, can we go hit the ball? Where he said, no, I'm too tired. And so he, he just loved to spend time with us. So that that's something where I just think about that, where I think, man, if my kids were asking him to do something, I think he probably would have done it. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that um, that I watched him do a lot was openly read God's word around me. It wasn't private to him. I sometimes hear people say, like, well, my, my father had a private faith. And my dad's relationship with Jesus just wasn't private. Um, he had private moments. Mm-hmm. You know, he had he had that the, the privacy of, of prayer. But I I don't want to keep my relationship with Jesus private mm-hmm. around my family. I want to be open. Hey, here's what I'm learning. Here, here's what here's what I read today. Here's what's on my mind. And and I want to, I want then I want my family to know just how he instilled in me that this is the greatest thing I can do with my time is to spend it with Jesus and to know Jesus. Uh, I want my family to know that too. Yeah. Um, because I think that when you when you're in a a pastoral role, it's it, it might might sound crass, but it has the potential to be a family killer. It has the potential to 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 be so focused on serving others that you forget to serve your family yeah, to love them well. And I just don't want to do that. And uh, that's something that I praise God for is that I did not see that in my, in the home I grew up in mm-hmm. um, seeing a dad put others uh, before the Lord and, and his family. Yeah. Didn't do it perfectly, but um those are just some things that immediately come to my mind of just playing with my family, being present with them, uh, being open with them about, about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, your father, I love that about let's go play. Um, he never lost the wonder. He, you know, Jesus said, come to me like a child. Mm-hmm. And he never lost that curiosity of a child and fascination and wonder. And it was genuine, yeah. just uh, truly it's something I don't, I don't want to lose. And he never lost it. Never lost it. Yeah. I want to ask you a question. This may be a little hard. And if it sure. is, we'll just, if you had an opportunity to say something to it right mm-hmm. now, and I believe the Lord allows moments he permits. Oh, I know this will bring your heart great joy. Yeah. And, and uh, what would you say to him? I had a couple of things pop in my mind, just, and this is just off the cuff. Mm-hmm. First thing I would say is I long to be where he's at because of who he's with. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think about heaven every day. And I, I'm just excited to be there. Um, just knowing the from from God's word what waits for us to the gain uh, of actually being with Jesus. It just sounds so sweet. And so I thought, man, I, I would just want to tell him, hey, I'll be I'll be there soon, you know. But then the other thing I thought I was I would want to say, hey, you got time to run to the beach with the kids. <laughs> That's why I would want to say, you know, hey, let's go to the beach. Because that was his favorite place in the world, was with my mom, just the two of them on the beach. Mm-hmm. And I would want, I'd want us all, if I had, if I had one more day with them, mm-hmm. uh, I'd have all all three of my kiddos and my bride and uh, my sister and her husband and, and my mama, just just us on the beach. Yeah. Yeah. That would, that would, that would be a treasure. Yeah. I can hear your dad now saying, Hey, 
I don't know what this guy John was talking about when he wrote wrote Revelation that there will be no more sea. What was he talking about? <laughs> There's sea here. There's an ocean here. You know, yeah. new world, new creation. Sure. I guess sure. John was just so sick of the sea when he wrote that <laughs> on the Isle of Patmos yeah. that that just came out and God said, "Okay, just put that in there. It's okay, yeah, we'll, you know. We'll, we'll leave it. <laughs> we'll leave it. But see, there's a beach here, and the waves are rolling in, and, yeah. and we and all of us can body surf. We don't need any surfboard." <laughs> You know, and we can pet the sharks and, and the stingrays and, and ride the dolphins and, you know, so, yeah. and, and count the stars on the beach and then count them in the sky. Wouldn't that yeah. be glorious? Yeah. I, that's something I just think about. Um, it was just what he's doing, yeah. you know, what, what he's up to. Uh, but hard to know what, what heaven will be like out, outside of, uh, the the worship of of Jesus, what like what it looks like to to be there, but mm-hmm. I think ultimately that is what we're doing. Is everything that we do there is ultimately worshiping Him, mm-hmm. just reveling in in the joy and the grace uh, of being in His presence. So whatever that looks like, um, I know that ultimately He's just loving worshiping. Yeah. 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 And, and all of it brings glory to God. His creation right. brings glory to God right. and, and we'll bring glory to God. You know, when we discover things, you know, yeah. just like, uh, hey, God, did you know there yeah. are this many stars in the Andromeda, you know, galaxy or what, you know, and he's like, and God, hey, yeah, I know that. <laughs> um, now, you know, it because yeah. I had, you know, a hundred thousand years to count them all. <laughs> sure. Sure. And I'm tickled to death. He took the time to do that. <laughs> so, what What would you say to him? Uh, um, mm, I wasn't ready for that. Uh, I, I miss his voice and uh, just, I wish I, I would say, I'm sorry that when I left Texas, you're the one friend I made plans to get back to. And we never got to see one another here. I, I just, I m- hate that I missed an opportunity. Had many great conversations with him. For sure. Yeah. Uh, so I don't mean to sound like, you know, like there's an element of regret there, but it, you know, no, it's, no. it's went through my mind because I've, I've seen every, I got to see, there were four men who carried a cot for me when I was down. Uh, when my yeah. life kind of imploded about 12 years ago and your father was one of the, one of those corners. He had, he held one of the corners of the cot and the other three guys I saw I've seen, you know, uh, but I, I, I had every intention to bring Doug to the podcast. I think last time I saw him, last time I saw him was on Zoom. Yeah. Uh, we had a conversation. So, yeah, that's it. I just wish, uh, I wish we had, we had talked more. I wish I'd talked more. I wish I'd have realized uh, when we had the conversation. There's supposedly this, your, your father would appreciate the humor in what I'm about to say, and I'm just holding my breath. Maybe I should say it, but there's supposedly in somewhere in some graveyard around the world, the epitaph reads, "I told you I was sick." <laughs> You know? <laughs> and, and he told me, you know, he, but it, I just a man so full of life that I, yeah. I just cannot wrap my head around that. And so, and that was the last conversation we had. So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and uh, I'm going to hear it when I get to heaven. It's like, sure. I told you, Marge. But yeah. you <laughs> that was his way though. Yeah. He, uh, he, yeah. he never, uh, even when he would get <laughs> cedar fever, which yeah. was his oh, arch yeah. nemesis. Yeah. I would get so sick. He would just totally downplay it. Yeah. So that was just this way. Yeah. Well, man, we could talk about your father. And I want to bring you back to the podcast at some point and talk a little bit about what God is doing in your life. Is you know, you're a student minister there in the San Antonio area at Alamo Alamo Community Church. Yes, sir. Uh, So I hope you can remember where you serve every week. Just remember the Alamo and you know, you'll get close to where you're supposed to be. (laughs) I was just gonna say I'd be hard to. Yeah. Be back and say the word, and I'm here. We'll have it. Yeah. Thanks for letting me talk about Big D. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a happy Father's Day, and you too. Uh, you he'll too. have a happy Father's Day 
where he's with the father and you know, yeah so and he's you know with his father and uh he's all the generations before him who who knew the father you know yeah. he's like oh yeah i went over where you lived in scotland and you know i can just imagine <laughs> so, uh it's such such a life full of joy it's easy to imagine the joyous conversation mm-hmm. that he's constantly engaging in yeah so i love you love you love, you too. love your sister uh love your mom your family is dear 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 to my heart thank and you, my friend. Uh, we will we will come back to the table and yeah. uh, thank you for those of you who are tuned in today uh we're gonna go out on a ryan proudfoot song we hope to see you soon hope you have a happy father's day all those who are out there listening Trust your word always. I want to lean in closer than yesterday. I want to see your power in mighty ways. Jesus, oh Jesus. Cause more of you is what I need to feel your touch. Gotta hear you speak. Cause nothing compares. Nothing compares to knowing you more, so take me deeper.